0: And welcome to this episode of the One Nerd and One Jock College Football Talk Podcast. This is, of course, the weekend review edition. And this week, I am not joined by the jock half of the podcast because he's uh, enjoying a nice little vacation. But we do have someone who did not lose to a Sunbelt team this week, and that is Jackson. Jackson, how are you today?
1: Yeah, thanks uh, Thanks for having me. Uh, obviously, not the jock part that you normally have, but uh, maybe this time you'll have to uh, record it as one nerd and one guest and see uh, how your ratings go.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, hey, you know, if we end up with with uh, better ratings than our normal podcast, we're going to have to replace Mark. But that's okay, because you're wearing an Oregon uh, shirt, which the listeners can't see, but I can. So let's... Really quickly, before we get too deep into things, let's get to know you. I know you went to Ball State. You're wearing the Oregon shirt. Is that a pretty good summary of who you uh, follow and who you pay attention to when it comes to college football? or are there any other teams that you'd like to keep an eye on?
1: Yeah, um, well, I first started listening to you guys and um, <clears throat> it was actually uh, kind of the best of both worlds. Um, you know, similar to Mark, I, I have a, a deep love for Oregon and Oregon football. Uh, I had a very similar uh, jumping in point to, to starting to follow Oregon and back in the Chip Kelly offense, you know, uh, running thousand plays or whatever a minute and, um, you know, just just really kind of enjoyed the, up, the up-tempo style of play. Um, and then also grew up in Indiana and uh, had a very, you know, deep-rooted love for Notre Dame and Notre Dame football, similar to yourself. So uh, you know, see a lot of similarities between between the two of you guys. Um, after this last weekend, though, uh, I don't know if I'll be able to show my face in a Notre Dame jersey or just rooting for Notre Dame uh, in general, because that was that was pretty rough. So uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm currently on the fence, uh, and maybe we'll find out through the rest of this podcast uh, who I might be leaning towards at least for the rest of this year and uh, into the future.
0: Yeah, that was uh, certainly a rough uh, showing, I guess I'll say, and I'm sure that we'll get into that game a little bit, but let's let's really quickly jump into our, well, jump away from that game and jump into our opening kickoff and kind of our takeaways from this past week. And um, if you'll allow me to go first, I would say that there's a really great Denny Green quote that kind of sums up my takeaway from this week, and that is, they are who we thought they were. <laughs> uh, and and I think that can be applied to a number of teams this week. Uh, I would say that Notre Dame being one of those coming into the season, I thought it was probably pretty realistic that they were going to go somewhere between, you know, nine and four and seven and five. After the Ohio State game, I was, you know, obviously very optimistic, and after this game, I'm like, yeah, no, that's that's probably going to be about right. I I think that they'll get the ship righted, maybe dip down to that, you know, seven and six or or whatever for the the full season, but we'll we'll uh, we'll worry about that when we get there. And then I would also say the same thing about Texas A and M. Uh, I I had a hard time seeing how they were rated so high I bought into the hype of it and then they had that game against App State and I'm just like oh yeah that's that's the Texas A&M that we saw all last year
1: yeah and man you know I think you're I, I definitely think you're spot on with Notre Dame you know even though I was a fan am a fan whatever I know that, uh, I think their total win loss was right around that eight and a half, uh, mark. So I think that you're, you're spot on that, um, you know, they, they are who we, who we thought they were A&M though, I guess maybe I'm just more of a believer. Uh, I guess I, I was shocked, uh, you know, Notre Dame, I sh- certainly expected them to beat Marshall, you know, A&M is just a huge shock. Uh, I know that App State's kind of a legend killer, but man, um, I was expecting A&M definitely to go you know, to the college football playoff. And I, I thought that they were going to live up to a lot more of the hype. And after that, they uh, man, they better get it together quick. Uh, otherwise, Jimbo might be in trouble, I think, because with as many recruits and as highly touted as what they were supposed to be, I think there's going to be some people calling for his job sooner rather than later if, if they mess this up.
0: Speaking of the Sooners... If you, if you catch what I did there, let's talk about their opponent for this upcoming week, Nebraska, who also lost to a Sunbelt team. This one was Georgia Southern. And, uh, well, that ended up costing Scott Frost's job. Uh, Mark was absolutely right when he called it earlier in the year that Scott Frost may end up uh, losing his job sooner rather than later here. And, and for those that don't know, uh, they did elevate one of their coordinate coordinators. It was not Mark Whipple, as I think probably Mark and I would have guessed. Instead, it was their defensive coordinator, Mickey Joseph, who was also a uh, also a player for the oh, sorry, not the defensive coordinator. He was an associate head coach. Sorry, let me correct myself there. Uh, but he was also a quarterback at Nebraska, similar to Scott Frost.
1: What's interesting there, RJ, is Frost and, and Nebraska have Oklahoma coming up. So I I definitely thought that he was on the hot seat, but man, I I, I also thought that they were at least going to give him one shot, you know, maybe they could take one last swing at Oklahoma, because now, you know, they, they got to walk in. I'm pretty sure they're in Norman. So no, they have to walk they're in. They're at two... Lincoln.
0: They are at okay,
1: Lincoln. Okay, so at least they're at home. But, man, that is a rough start for a new coach. I know it's going to be interim, but um, that's going to be a rough start, and especially when their next game after Oklahoma was IU. So at least that's a winnable game. You know, At least at least they could have let Frost basically take one last beating and then get him out of town. Um, and the other interesting part is if they would have waited until October 1st, they would have only had to pay him a, a buyout of $7.5 million being that they fired him when they did, they're paying him $15 million. So what, what my takeaway from that is it's not like these athletic departments just have, you know, $15 million to, to set aside and to pay out immediately upon this relief. So there, there must've been some big booster on the back end that really wanted him gone and basically was willing to put up that $15 million. And if you're looking at uh, two years ago, basically the exact same thing happened to Ed Ogeron down in LSU. Some boosters stepped forward and it was one of the big football boosters that said, I'm willing to pay the rest of his buyout fee. And basically here it is. I'll have it to you guys in a check by Monday morning, fire him. So uh, my, my guess in doing a little bit of research, uh, Mr. Hawks, he he owns uh, a private equity firm um in in nebraska um howard hawks so uh i know he's he's a huge backing of the nebraska football team uh he owns one of the largest private equity energy companies in the country um and i'm i'm actually pretty sure that he sits on nebraska's board of regents so he's pretty involved out there and um I'm not necessarily blaming him, but I think if you're looking at somebody that kind of pulled the trigger, I think it was him that basically stepped forward and said, I'll write the check, get him out of town, which coincidentally he was probably the same guy that brought him into town to begin with. So,
0: (laughs) yeah, the other thing that really makes me surprised on the timing of this is they do have the bye week after Oklahoma. So to me, that's one of those things where it's like, I'm with you. I think if for no other reason, you leave him in through Oklahoma, let him take the beating, and then give, you know, give give Mickey Joseph a chance to, you know, get his team right over two weeks, instead of just throwing him into the fire. But I guess that's why these are the uh, big decision makers at these universities, and we're not.
1: <laughs> that's exactly right. And sometimes when you're a big booster or uh, with some big checks, then. You get to kind of throw that around a little bit.
0: Yeah, I just I I really hope that that those same type of boosters do not start coming for Marcus Freeman after this year. I I really hope that's not the case, because I think that it's I think Notre Dame was always going to have a down year this year. And I think that there are some people that might have him on the hot seat before he even began. But enough about that and about coaches and and all that good stuff let's let's get into some actual games that were played in week two and uh, i was thinking maybe we start with that bama texas game where bama put up 20 texas only put up 19 and i think my big thoughts on this one are that texas looks perfectly ready to go play in the sec
1: yeah well and if you If you don't mind, um, just a couple other quick notes, um, you know, especially on Notre Dame um, currently uh, at least so throughout the rest of the season, um, Notre Dame still has three more games versus currently ranked opponents. And then they have two more games versus uh, one game versus Stanford and one versus Navy, which are traditionally, you know, those games are played pretty tight. So um, like you said, uh, you know, Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame, the, the road does not get any easier. So uh, yeah, I certainly hope that, um, you know, people don't start prematurely calling for anything there either, but uh, it, it might not be the most uh, easy road for them. Um, but like you said, onto uh, Bama and Texas. Uh, you know, it was such a shame with Ken, Quinn Ewers getting uh, hurt so early in that game because all I kept thinking is it left us with the what if. Um, you know, Texas actually looked legit, uh, especially that defense. Um, to be able to hold Bama like that, I just, I was really impressed with, uh, with Texas. And now Texas goes to, uh, or, or they have UTSA, Texas Tech, and West Virginia. Um, and then a huge game versus Oklahoma. So, uh, we'll see. I I know that they're, they're saying that Ewers could be back for that game at, uh, for that game versus Oklahoma. Um, I think they said that he had a four week timetable. So, uh, if if he does come back, that would be right around that Oklahoma game. Um, so I think that's tough, but it does leave us kind of, or it leaves Texas with a chance and it, it leaves that, that game to be highly anticipated.
0: Yeah, what is it with Bama knocking out Texas's starting quarterbacks? Obviously, they did it in the 2010 National Championship uh, to Colt McCoy, and now they do it to Quinn Ewers. I think uh, I think maybe when Texas starts playing in the SEC, they might have to bubble wrap their quarterback for a game or so, just to, so <laughs> they don't totally sink their seasons. But anyway, enough with that. Yeah, I think, as you said, having... Ewers back for that Oklahoma game would be absolutely huge for Texas. And as you said, in this game, it just kind of left it as a what-if. And to me, there there are just so many different what-ifs in this game. And I really don't know what to make of either of these two teams coming out of it. Because on one hand, it feels like te- like Bama kind of got lucky with this one. And I don't know if that was a... More of a, a statement on them and where they are, or if that was more of a statement on where Texas is and you know Texas's ability to play up into these games and whatnot. I think, I, I can't remember who it was that said this, but I, I think the quote that I like on it is, it used to be the Alabama could show up and play their C-level game and still win. And, and still, you know, roll some teams. It is getting to the point now where they can show up and play their C game and they're going to get beat or they're going to get in way tighter games than we would expect them to. So I think that might be where I'm leaning on this one is that A, Texas played really well. And then B, Bama played maybe not as well as we would have hoped or we would have expected of them.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good assessment. And the, the only unfortunate part, and, and maybe, you know, I guess I fell into this last year during the national championship game too, is I guess you just always expect Bama to be able to pull it out, right? So even when this game was close and going into the fourth and, you know, I always just felt like if Texas was able to do anything, Alabama would have been able to answer. And then it came down to the very end in Bryce Young and Alabama, you know, Bryce, or, uh, yeah, Bryce Young looking like a, a Heisman candidate again um, and, and basically taking his team down and, and doing what he needed to do. Uh, and and at this point, you know, it just leaves me. Once again, um, we've already talked about October first in, in uh, Nebraska. Uh, I think you know October first is going to be another fun day because uh, Alabama plays Arkansas, and I think that'll be another big testament to to see. You know, I hope everybody gets up and gets excited, gets excited for Arkansas versus Bama because um, I think Texas kind of laid the blueprint, and I think Arkansas just might be the team that can pull it off.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that should be a, a real good game, real fun game to watch. But circling back, let's let's talk about another game from this past weekend. Let's talk about the, well, one of the ranked versus ranked matchups. Of course, there were three this past weekend. I want to talk about those what I would consider the biggest upset or maybe even the biggest shocker, and that was Baylor 20 20- Uh, BYU 26, of course, in double overtime, and to me, I I think that's a really good sign for what could come for BYU. We talked, or uh, Mark and I talked about it at the beginning of the year, how BYU, their schedule was just really nicely laid out for this season, and that they have some really big games, they have they they definitely have some players coming back that can can do some stuff for them. Uh yeah, so they had home versus Baylor at Oregon this week which I know that we'll talk about at Notre Dame and then versus Arkansas as well as some other you know power power 5 games. So I I think that that is a very good sign that we're seeing them kind of pass that first test and I think that BYU might be a team that can really Make some noise if they keep on winning out, and and I think uh, I think they certainly have the ability to, and they showed that in a very good win here against Baylor.
1: Yeah, yeah. I once again I completely agree. Um, you know, I, I've I've admittedly only kind of caught on to BYU in the last couple of years. Um, you know, especially Zach Wilson. And, but you know, I think that, uh, and again, I can I can admit that I kind of fell right in line here. But I don't think BYU gets the love that they necessarily should. Um, you know, they they play a lot of their games not in prime time because they're out west and they're they're kind of an up and comer so to speak. But uh, as you kind of alluded to, I think Mark and, and even myself included, being being an Oregon fan. Um, I think Mark better be uh, on alert and coming back from vacation. He might have a rude awakening because I think BYU faces Oregon this weekend and I do not like the Ducks chances. I think BYU is uh, at least a legit, you know, I don't, I'm, I don't think they're going to make the college football playoff and we'll see if they can even break into like the top top 10 or so. Um, but I I do think that BYU is, is a legit team for who they are and they're definitely a better team than Oregon is at this point.
0: Yeah. Something else about this game that I almost forgot about BYU did this without their top two wide receivers. Yep. So if, if they are able to get either one of those back for that Oregon game, this upcoming weekend, I think that's going to be something to watch out for, for sure. And I think that that will be a very good game for sure. And I'm sure that we'll talk about that in part two of this week.
1: And for me, um, you know, maybe maybe call it a Baylor hater, but uh, I think Baylor just thrives on the Southern football bias. I, I've just thought that they've been overhyped for a while, uh, even even back when, um, you know, two or three years ago when, when they were getting a little bit of run up and they had Matt Rule um, they, they, made it to the big game and they lost. And, um, you know, I just think that they thrive on kind of that Southern football bias, uh, and just consistently get overhyped. Um, but, uh, that's just, I guess maybe my own two cents on that one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that might be fair. Obviously they did win the big 12 last year. So, you know, there is some, some recent history there, but I'm not really sure that they were the best team in the big 12 last year. I guess that's kind of a, you know, a moot point at this point. Let's talk about two more Southern teams, though, in that Kentucky at Florida. This one I thought was going to be a big sh- test and really indicative of what we should actually expect from these two teams. And Kentucky pulled it out by getting the 10 point win in the Swamp, doing something that Utah could not do. What uh, What are your thoughts on this one?
1: So I think it says more about Florida than it does about UK, you know, UK, I think has been underrated. I think they were underrated at the beginning of this year, you know, but I think that uh, people were just way too high on Florida Um, and, and maybe even myself included, I was, I was expecting, you know, at least better things out of Utah, but I I think that, um, you know, Florida was, you know, people were starting to get way too hyped up on Florida and Richardson um, and I, I think it just says more about Florida, not being that great. And unfortunately it might even say something about Utah also not being that great. Um, you know, I'm not sitting here saying that, that, uh, Kentucky is anything fantastic. Um, but clearly they were better than Florida. And, um, I think that, uh, you know, that that's pretty much what this game says.
0: I agree with you on, on Florida, just getting way over height. I mean, I, I get it. I certainly still think that Utah is at least a good team, if not maybe even a really good team, and just kind of got caught on, I'll say almost flat-footed. That said, the results are what, what they say they are. So for me, obviously Florida able to play with those teams, but for them to jump up from not even, I don't even think they were receiving votes in the preseason poll to number 12 in the AP poll after one week, just... After a three-point win, yeah, completely. That egregious. was a little crazy to me. Completely, I, agreed. I saw that and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, agreed, yeah. agreed, 100. And and
1: um, you know, if, even looking back on it, Florida couldn't even score in the second half at home in the swamp. They couldn't even score. They got a safety with four minutes left in the first half, and that was the last bit of scoring they did the rest of the game. And Kentucky, Kentucky's not even a top 30 in defense that's just bad Florida offense. That's just at home. That's just terrible. It's not like they were playing a Georgia. It's not like they were playing anybody that had a, a stout, you know, overly stout defense. Um, you know, now Kentucky is a good defensive team, but they're not even top 30 this year. And I get that it's only been, you know, a game now to in, but um, you know, that's just bad Florida offense. And that's, that's where I just kind of say that people were way over hyping Richardson in Florida and, um, you know, I guess we'll, there's a lot of football left to be played, but uh, that game did not did not sit well.
0: I think Florida might be who we thought they were <laughs> and and just, uh, you know, they they might be better. Well, I think they are better than last year. I don't think that they would have beaten Utah last year, but I think that it's just a matter of they kind of got away with one there, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So
0: let's. I think we've got one more game to review, and that is the uh, Tennessee versus Pittsburgh game. Last year, Pittsburgh beat Tennessee at Tennessee. This year, Tennessee gets their revenge 34-27 to Tennessee in overtime. And I guess to a certain extent, I was surprised by this. But at the same time, I wasn't too surprised. As I said on last week's show, I don't. If this were two, three weeks from now, I think I would have a lot better idea of who these two teams are. But going into week two, it's just such a coin. It was such a coin flip for me coming into this, because we didn't know if Pittsburgh or you know beating West Virginia meant anything. Conversely, Tennessee put up about a million and a half points against Ball State. Sorry, Jackson.
1: Yep, my alma mater, the uh, the
0: powerhouse of the MAC. If you want some
1: action, come to the Midwest.
0: You know, to me, it was like I don't know if either of these two teams are really good. As we saw, they were at least on the day pretty evenly matched going to overtime. What notes did you have on this one, though? Uh,
1: So I I first and foremost thought that uh, Hendon Hooker should get a lot more respect. Um, Just just the eye test, not necessarily looking at some of the stats, but just the eye test. He looked pretty good. Um, Once again, I'm not throwing him up in the C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young conversation, but Hendon Hooker definitely should get a little bit more respect in the college football world. Um, Hopefully he put some people on notice. Um, Keaton Slovis, or as some of his close friends like to call him Slovedon Milosevic, um, he's quickly losing, I think, any hype that he had left. Um, You know, to to be that highly touted of a recruit and then kind of filter out or falter out at at, at USC and to have kind of the college career that he's had, he's he's quickly, I think, losing any hype. Um, That Pittsburgh team, as you kind of said, was just way too overhyped after beating a West Virginia team that just isn't good. I mean, and and I think that this kind of shows that Pitt really isn't that great either. Um, And what I'm looking forward to uh, is kind of the last game we talked about. Uh, on, On September 24th, Tennessee plays Florida. And I think that that game will actually tell us quite a bit about who Florida is and who Tennessee is. And uh, everybody will have to stay tuned for, for future episodes to get some analysis on that game.
0: Like we said, it's so early. It's hard to tell who anybody is. The only thing that I'll say about this game is obviously it was another kind of what if in that Slovis did get hurt in the game um, and their backup whose name is totally escaping me right now, uh, Nick Patty was was also uh, at least a little bit banged up at the end of that game. So I think that there are some at least quarterback concerns coming out of Pitt going into this upcoming week. And if they don't get those figured out, I think that we'll see them fall by the wayside pretty, pretty quickly. Are there any other games from this last weekend that you want to to highlight, obviously, we mentioned the Appalachian State, Marshall, and Georgia Southern wins. Big week for the Sun Belt. And, uh, you know, getting their paydays and getting the wins.
1: Yeah, um, it's, uh, it's always a good feeling. You know, um, I, some people might not remember, but uh, 2008 Ball State was a relatively uh, good year. Um, and it's always nice when you get paid money to go into some of these bigger programs and, and you know, kick them in the butt. So, um, you know, some of these some of these smaller conferences certainly can get you and um, App State certainly proved that. And, you know, every every year, every week, uh, there's there's, you know, at least a couple scares. But um, no, I think that's a pretty solid recap of, of uh, the last weekend.
0: OK, then let's really quickly do a rundown of the top 10 in the AP poll uh, going into week three, coming out of week two. And uh, we'll start at the bottom with number 10, Arkansas, number nine, Kentucky, number eight, Oklahoma state, seven USC, six, Oklahoma, five Clemson, four Michigan, number three, Ohio state receiving one first place vote. Number two, Alabama dropping from number one. And then Georgia finishing up at number one. Obviously, obviously, elevating themselves one place after the unfortunate beatdown on Oregon and then taking care of business against a, a lower-class school, we'll call it, this time, this week. Anything that stand out on that one, or are you ready to get into this week's action?
1: Uh, excited to uh, see what Jackson Smith and Jigba can do for Ohio State to uh, Sands one play versus Notre Dame um so you know excited to see him back and healthy and um you know kind of hopefully return to form and uh see what you know Ohio State keeps rolling
0: yeah I think that's a, a really good thing I don't know how much we'll get to see of them I think we'll see them roll this week but let's not a uh, count our chickens before they hatch as as the old saying goes let's get into some action for this upcoming week and really as far as the non-Saturday games go there's one that I have circled, and then there's one other. The one that I have circled is Florida State versus Louisville. Of course, that is coming up on Friday, and that is the big game from Friday, I will say. The other game is Air Force at Wyoming. Let's, let's focus on the... I won't say the game that matters because they both matter, but the game that more people are probably going to be watching in that Florida State Louisville game, 7.30 on ESPN. And should be a pretty good game, at least by by Vegas' standards, as they have Florida State a two and a half point favorite. The line on this one is, or the over-under is 56. And Florida State has a 54.9% chance of winning According to FPI, is that how you see this one going? Or do you think maybe Louisville is getting a little bit of um, hate right now?
1: Uh, I think Louisville's kind of being hated on. Uh, I think Malik Cunningham is going to come out and have a big game. Um, And I think that he's going to push Louisville over the top. Uh, I I will say, I guess uh, maybe as a caveat, that I am an FSU hater. Uh, I do not enjoy Florida State at all. Um, I don't even really give them credit for beating LSU. I think that that win just means basically nothing. Uh, LSU just isn't a great team this year either. Um, So, you know, I don't really give FSU a lot of credit. Um, What I will give them credit is that they're fifth in rushing yards so far. Granted, it's been a a short uh, season. Um, But then 67th in passing. Um, so basically, if if Louisville can come out and stop TreShaun Ward in the running game, um, and and make the make uh, FSU quarterback Jordan Travis put it on his arm, I think that uh, Louisville uh, and and Cunningham have a really great shot at beating Travis. Uh, basically, make it a Cunningham versus Travis and see who's the better quarterback. And I I would pick Cunningham in that. What about you?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit split on this one because. Obviously, points per game, hugely in favor of Florida State. Points allowed per game, still about a touchdown in favor of Florida State. Now, granted, their first game was against Duquesne, uh, 47-7. i not really putting any stock in that one. The LSU game, they got 24 points and they allowed 23. Conversely, Louisville, in their first two games... Uh, as averaging thirteen and a half uh, points per game and giving up twenty, basically twenty three points for, per game, it's it's hard for me to say because because I'm with you. I think that Florida State could very easily be shut down. I think that they should probably be one in one. But with that said, looking at Louisville, that huge loss at Syracuse, that's tough but then they turn around and get a win at UCF. I, 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 I think what's throwing me off is just not really knowing wh- whether we're going to get the, the Louisville that can show up and beat UCF, who is not a bad program, or the Louisville that gets absolutely routed by Syracuse and the bad Louisville. So that makes me a little bit concerned. That said, I think on the whole, Louisville is a better team. I wouldn't feel uncomfortable taking that plus two and a half, but taking them outright definitely makes me concerned. That said, I think I am going to take them. I think I am going to pick Louisville. Um, Just like I said, I think on talent, they're a better team. On, On the whole, if both teams play up to their ability, I would expect Louisville to win.
1: Yeah, and I hope I didn't influence your decision there at all. Um, I just am simply looking at the quarterbacks, and um, I just, I just, I guess I'm, I'm a believer in Cunningham. Um, I think that he certainly has to win this game. Um, if he comes out and he's flat, then uh, I don't think Louisville has a chance. You know, um, I think that he has to come out and he has to have a good game. But if both quarterbacks play, you know, at an even level. Even then, I think that uh, FSU probably has is, is got the better chance to win. So I think that, um, you know, Louisville has to make Jordan Travis throw it, and then they have to have a good game from Cunningham. Um, but I guess just being an FSU hater, I believe that that's what, what's going to happen.
0: You know, diving into it a little bit more, just seeing that Louisville has given up 208, or sorry, is averaging 208 rushing yards allowed per game. I don't know that they can do it. I'm actually going to flip my pick for the first time. (laughs) I'm going to flip my pick and I'm actually going to go FSU. You know, again, I think Louisville might be the better team overall, but I'm just, something about this one is making me go, yep, take Florida State, take Florida State, take Florida State, call it a gut feeling. I'm probably going to be wrong, but we'll, uh, we'll worry about that come next week, I suppose. So... Again, the other game that's going on is the Air Force at Wyoming game. I don't really have a whole lot of notes other than, you know, if if the bad Louisville shows up and they start getting routed, might want to flip that one on. It should be on just a smidge later than that Florida State-Louisville game scheduled for 8 p.m. on CBS SN. Obviously being out in Wyoming, that makes it a little bit later of a game but I think that's all I've got for the week games and for the week in review. Is there anything else that you would like to talk about?
1: No, that's, uh, that's, that's everything for me. Um, I'm hoping that, uh, that Florida state and Louisville is a good game because uh, I guess I'm not necessarily looking forward to uh, air force in Wyoming. So
0: yeah, yeah, me either. So with that said, uh, this has been One Nerd and One Guest. Uh, Sub again for the One Nerd and One Jock College Football Talk podcast. Make sure that you follow us on social media, One Nerd, One Jock CFB, and we will see you very shortly for part two.